It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clear Out Podcast, which is Blue Wire Podcast's newest Brooklyn Nets podcast, hosted by your guy, Matt Brooks. Me. It's good to talk to everybody again. I am joined by a very special guest, Chris Mulholland, my Nets Daily teammate, one of my favorite people to talk with. I talk with him all the time. We have gone through the ups and the downs of every of everything, everything. that comes with a Nets season. Chris, how you doing today? Doing good, brother. How about you? Thanks for having me on. Always the downs top of the with you. Ah, uh, dude, it's it's good to talk to you. You know, we've we talked a little bit after media day yesterday, but um, mm-hmm. it'll be nice to kind of really go over everything because I think there was um, a lot of things said and only one story that really seemed to come out. Uh, but first mm-hmm. off, like this is now a tradition for us, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Which we is did, cool, yeah. Yeah, we did a media day pod last year on my old podcast, um, and. Uh, it's kind of cool that we get to do this again. It's, yeah, we have a little continuity now, so that's some <laughs> exciting stuff. Um, but all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the note a little bit. Uh, just because I think we do we do have to talk to you know a little bit about the main story yesterday, yep. which was of course you know it was the Kyrie Irving. What do we want to call it? The Kyrie Irving trials. The Kyrie Irving. <laughs> this... No, no bump. Well, I don't like. Uh, yeah. It, you can name it 500 different things, you know? You, I've, I've seen a, like about 500 different names for it in headlines. So mm-hmm. we'll start here. Um, Kyrie Irving, there were a lot of rumors that went around last week about him being unvaccinated. And, and for me, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm just sorry. I'm going to deliver this from a first-person narrative. But I woke up for media day. I was excited. It was going to be my first time really back in Barclays, like in the media rooms and stuff like that, not just sort of – shoved in the seats on a zoom call like really back in the building like actually kind of doing this again so i was excited i was excited to see people i was excited to like actually be able to be in the same room as the players and um i came away (laughs) feeling just a lot of things that i didn't think i would be feeling and and a large part of it was that the pretty much about 10 minutes before media day kicked off I got the notification, I'm sure everybody else did at the exact same time from ESPN Zach Lowe, basically saying that Kyrie Irving was not going to be there because of health and safety protocols. Mm-hmm. New York City has an ordinance that does not allow you to be in enclosed structures like the Barclays Center without proof of vaccination. So I'm not going to say anything. I am just going to leave those two pieces of information there and let you all kind of understand why most of Kyrie's questions were about vaccination and why he wasn't mm-hmm. there. And those were described as a private matter, a, a which mm-hmm. we can get into whether or not that should be a private matter or not. But the mm-hmm. fact for me that I came away from was, I don't think we got, got much clarification on a situation that may or may not, we'll see if we get there, may or may not cause him to miss 41 home games 
And that was my mm-hmm. big takeaway, and we don't have much clarification on that. So I will start there. That is a mm-hmm. lot of information I just put on the table, but I'm going to start there. Yeah, so overall, like, obviously, presumably so, it's it's clear that he's not vaccinated, right? Yeah. Or there's something there. Yes. So as we all know, the anticipation was going into it that he was going to be there. I think that was, like, kind of the anticipation. Yeah. When you were talking to different guys, everyone was like, oh, he's going to be there. He'll be on the podium, whatever the case is. Then we get the Zach Lowe tweet, the report that he wasn't going to be there. So that was kind of interesting. You're like, okay, now, now it's kind of, I guess you could say confirmed, right? In whatever way, shape, or yeah. form. I'm kind of on the same page as you, whether you want to call that a private clause or non. Because at the same at the at the same time, it is kind of a basketball really question because you add in 41 home games. Yeah. Plus the three, probably I think it's two games this season that they play in New York at the Garden. Yeah. And then you add in the Warriors game that they play out west. So yeah. there's also a couple of little sprinkles of games that he'll miss as well. Plus postseason whatever the case is down the line depending on how the season shakes out on top of that it it was i'll give it to irving though it was very smart for him to handle the questions the way he did answer the questions not similar to how like bradley beal or andrew wiggins answered it yeah well andrew wiggins was a little more similar but bradley beal wasn't because that kind of overall i it's that he wanted to make it private and he said he even said it at the last time he denied the question that everything will be released at a later time. So it does, doesn't sound like he's going to stay quiet throughout this whole entire thing. So we saw the report last night, I think it was from Baxter that, that through Kevin Durant, that he is planning to get vaccinated. Right. Yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was um, uh, Goodwill, I believe it. At Yahoo. Good, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was that. And then the main, the main thing here though, as obviously now it's going to be a strict waiting game. Cause obviously he could go to San Diego and play because there's no city ordinance there. Right. It's only in San Francisco, New York. That's it. So the main, the main, I guess you could say target date right now is the October 11th preseason game, the whole home opener, right? Not the season opener, but the yeah. preseason home opener. Right. Cause that's when you find out whether he got vaccinated, whether he got some form of exemption, X, Y, and Z, you know, however he wants to play it out. Then on top of that, well, training camp is going to be big, number one overall, because they're going to have to cut down the roster and everything like that and get him acclimated. But at the same time, now that we all kind of know what what's going on with Irving, how it's disclosed, how we obviously presumably so we all kind of have an idea, clear idea of what's going on. That Harden trade does look more from a luxury to a necessity at this time. But personally, I don't think this is going to be something that really gets in the way of anything. I think that it kind of gets resolved through whether two di- there's obviously two different avenues that we all know that can go down. But what, by when Irving said that everything's going to be released at a later date, and obviously we know Kyrie, but by him saying that and by the reports that are kind of trickled out after media day, I think it's promising news that I don't think he's going to miss too many games. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if that's because he's gotten one at like a shot or he's scheduled mm. to get a shot or, or whatever, even though I'm sure you could get one like literally that day. I have a doctor like go straight yeah. to his house. But um, my big thing with this is why not say that? Why not lay the yeah. plan out there in a way or be like, I want to try to get an exemption. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to get vaccinated. Like if the mm-hmm. end goal is going to be either he is going to get an exemption or he's going to get vaccinated, then why are we going through all of this? Yeah. And, you know, I saw a lot of people call it a distraction, and I, I think it genuinely is it right genuinely now. Is, yeah. This is a team that's really locked in. These guys are all showing up. They're saying we're ready to compete for a championship, and he said that as well. But mm-hmm. the issue is when you have this whole thing hanging over you, it's like why are we kind of doing all this? And, like, yep. me personally, I don't want this to, like, hang over training camp, and I think that is kind of – 
inevitable now in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because we just don't have any information on this. Um, yeah. So while I respect his decision to keep it private, there are also pitfalls of every single decision. In this Correct. case, that is going to be that we have no clarity over what's going on, really. And mm -hmm. we're just kind of going to have to ride this out. And, and I, you know, I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Me personally, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm proud of doing it yesterday. I took a train home, sat in between two elderly people. And was it was a really weird kind of thing to have just because of everything that had gone on that day and vaccination mm -hmm. being such a big thing. But it was a good reminder of like, oh, yeah, this is why I did this. Because for me personally, you know, causing some sort of harm to another living mm -hmm. being would that's that's what I prioritize. I said, I want to make Correct. sure I'm going to do that, you know, whether mm -hmm. I know that person or not. That was why exactly I got exactly the same page with me. Yeah, exact same page. That's just my view. And that, you know, I'm mm -hmm. not, that's, that's, that was why I, you know, whatever, that's my view on vaccination. But I just think, you know, for this to kind of be at this unresolved state is odd and it's discombobulating. And I think if you're a fan and you're feeling, you know, sort of like, well, what's going on here? Like, is this mm -hmm. guy, go you know, I, I'm a fan that lives in Barclay or, you know, lives in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see this guy at mm -hmm. Barclays for however much time. I, I just think that was, that's something normal to feel, I guess. I don't know. And, and we'll mm -hmm. see how long it goes. Exactly. And then just to add a little bit on that, you got to also think with this going into training camp, obviously the Nets know more than we do, right? That's, that's clear as day. What's going on? What's the insides and outs, the specific details. But when you look at training camp and especially the preseason, when you go through training camp, that's when you get your teams acclimated, the sets, you start building the foundation of your season of mostly yeah. everything, right? So if you go in the training camp, and I call this a distraction as well because it is a distraction because everyone is thinking what is going on here. Because if the Nets players know exactly what we know, then it's, it's a distraction. But if they know a little more, hey, whatever they know, that could be added into it. But with them going to the training camp and having that cloud over their heads saying, I don't know how many games this guy's going to miss, especially home games where it's 41 games. And then, like I mentioned before, the New York Knicks game at the Garden, Warriors game at Oracle. You have those things as well that will interrupt people's preparation and roles. Cause Steve Nash said, Hey, if we're anticipating him to miss some, then you got to go a little more into the rotation, a little more into the depth. This guy's going to get a bigger role. You have to adjust around who's playing with who, especially as it's staggering the big three minutes as well. Yep. Like we saw last year with Harden. And so you have those factors that also weigh into it. Yeah. And I think it's like, it was interesting. We heard from LaMarcus Aldridge a little bit later and he said that he, he kind of retired the second he could one mm -hmm. because I, and we'll get into this in a second. Cause I actually, I think he was probably the most, the second most interesting yeah. uh, presser. It's a very distant second, very sadly, distant. but it is. And it, which is, you know, not cause what he said wasn't interesting, but just because of like the just mass hysteria that everything uh, was yesterday, just based on all the things we heard about vaccination. But he said that he retired the second he could to kind of give the nets a, a sort of just clear state of mind. And I thought that yeah. was a really interesting point. And I, I don't know, maybe they know more than we do. Um, but right now I don't think there is a clear state of mind at the very least for fans. You can say as media members, like we don't deserve to know that's fine. I, I could, I might argue, I might, you know, have a little quibble with that, Same here. Yep. but at the very least as a fan, it is our jobs to ask questions so that the fans Get no information. Exactly. If I there's and if you're a fan and you're kind of like I don't know about 
like what's going on here. And I, I think that's a perfectly normal thing to, to, to feel like right now. Of course, exactly. Cause we're the ones that deliver them the news yeah. as, unless it comes from the players specifically. Right. So Lamarcus just touch on Lamarcus that that's a very interesting point. Right. Cause he, he fully disclosed that he was like the moment because it, when he was talking through that experience, it sounded very scary. Right. Cause he was saying yeah. that Sean even offered to put like a heart monitor on him at that point and say, Hey, we could put a heart monitor on you kind of track, see how things going. But that thing spooked him so bad that he'd even want to go back on the court, which, which shows the severity of it, at least yep. personally for LaMarcus, not obviously the severity of what it actually was, but for at least the severity for LaMarcus. Obviously, it's very what it was. It was very high as well. Yep. But that, that's, that's a great point that you made because LaMarcus said, I don't want any distraction. I know what this team is capable of. They're looking to go for their first elusive championship. And obviously having that kind of situation with LaMarcus say he stayed on the team when he was going through all that. And at that time, like we all know, when, when LaMarcus got taken off early and then the coming days, no one knew anything about it. Because when they just kind of put it as illness, they put it as just regular illness, non-COVID. So we're like, well, maybe he got sick, whatever the case is. And that's how things tied out. And then with LaMarcus too, it was interesting when you kind of see him talk about the experience and coming back, right? Especially with what we know from Tuesday with Sean and Steve to yesterday with LaMarcus, right? Because what Steve, Sean said was that he initially tried to talk him out of it. And that's something that really hit me because I was like, well, if he's trying to talk him out of it, that's mostly saying there's two ways you can look at that. One, LaMarcus, you had a great career. You already accomplished. You had a scary incident. It, you should come. Maybe you could come back as like a coaching role, consultant role, whatever the case is. But I don't, I don't think that you should be playing. Or two, mostly that he's not cleared for health-wise, whatever the case is at that time. Obviously, he didn't give a disclarity of when, when Sean Marks told him that, whether he was still pending tests or he was kind of fully approved and he, he told the Nets and his agent, hey, I'm coming back. So those were those two things, too. And then when you look at LaMarcus, too, that's, it's, he's one of those players that obviously very important, but it's going to be very curious to see how he takes on a role, right? Because yeah. he's had that problem since he was, I think, a rookie year when he was in Portland, right? So I, like, I was surprised no one asked about that yesterday was, hey, LaMarcus, because you remember when he first came into the Nets, immediately he was like, I'm gunning for that starting spot. Yeah. There was no like if, answers or buts. He said it, he wanted it. Is he, do you think that he's going to take the same approach this year? Or do you think that he's going to maybe say, you know, give me some starting minutes, but also fluctuate me off the bench a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of comes into like the question that I, I am going to find myself asking every single guest that I have on probably for the first like two months of the season is how would you work this starting lineup? Like, cause you have yeah. these four bigs in Nicholas Claxton, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap and LaMarcus. And I think you could make an argument that depending upon how you align these guys, they're all best used as fives. Now you can play yes. Paul Millsap as a four. You can play Blake Griffin as a four. And it really depends on the matchup of, you know, what team you're playing against. Mm -hmm. And we've seen them, you know, throw out lineups with Clax and, and Griffin. And I think part of that speaks to how unique Claxton is as a defender. But I that's kind of what it comes down to right now is we've we've had two guys, you know, there was that report that came out uh, from Shams Tarania when, right, probably like, what, a couple days before Millsap signed that the discussion was he would be competing for a starting spot, like very similar wording to what we saw to LaMarcus. So... I just think it's it's curious, and um, I I don't know. I don't honestly know I don't, how yeah. I would align it. I you know maybe maybe I would go 
Millsap and um, and 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 um, Lamarcus, just because that is kind of like it's kind of like a version of what Denver was doing with Jokic mm-hmm. and and Millsap. That you know that may be a better alignment in that way, and mostly because I really like Clax and Blake playing together. But I don't know, and it all kind of—I think it's all going to depend upon that. It's going to be a very strange year, where because of how many big men they have, I do think they need to play bigger. And mm-hmm. if they're playing bigger, it's going to really matter more who they have playing with who than who's starting. Mm-hmm. If that makes exactly. sense, exactly. Because uh, my question to you is obviously when you think about a starting lineup, right? Where does Joe Harris fit in this? Because I feel like Joe Harris is that X factor player that everyone's saying there's always like the fifty-fifty or it's forty-sixty where. Oh, he could come off the bench. Oh, no, yeah. he should be starting. I, I personally think that he should be starting, at least. But as we, obviously, obviously, as we know, Steve, especially in the early half of the season when he was picking starting lineups, and then shortly after when Blake came and then LaMarcus came too, that was more than the lineups were more finalized. But he adjusted them also around fit and opposing, play, opposing players, right? He did it matchup-based. So that's another yeah. thing that I feel like they're going to approach in the beginning of half of the season. They're going to do matchup-based. Because, number one, they're just going to get these guys' legs under them. Obviously, with the preseason, you have that luxury of, okay, get kind of mix and match, see who really works well together on the hardwood rather than just on the practice court and see how it could go from there. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, uh, yeah, I, I I would – I don't know. I would just want to align Joe Harris's minutes with Harden as much as possible yeah. and, like, tap into that a little bit more, like run more things where the two of them are involved. So if it's – like they they ran the Joe Harris um Harden pick and pop a lot against the Bucks in January when I don't think Kyrie was playing that game and they mostly just leaned into like hey this and it was it was I think it was the first game that Harden really looked like himself remember those first couple games he was passive he was just kind of picking his spots weird that was the first game where we were like oh wow uh James Harden's here and yeah, they exactly. ran that yeah. that stuff with him and Joe Harris so I would try to keep those two paired as much as possible. If that means keeping Joe on the bench and, you know, trying to just run his minutes with with Harden as much as possible, and that if that means that Harden's going to be running again with the bench unit, do that. Like, make that work. Um, I also, speaking of Joe Harris, I'm going to tie it a little bit into the media state stu- uh, stuff. I thought his quote about... The, the whatever the hate that have come that has come his way which loved I've, it great answer like terrific answer and, and look if you feel a certain type of way about about you know joe harris at this point i mean look i'm, I'm clearly not going to change your minds in three four months yeah. but that's a good quote man he said look i you know i i'm not really like he genuinely did not seem bothered by it and yeah. he's you know he even i like that he added a human element to it where he said, look, I get it. I get mad at my, I think he said his DBs. Uh, I think yeah. he said something like that. DBs with the Seahawks, yeah. Seahawks, yeah. That's, of course he's a Seahawks fan. Um, but yeah, so he said, I get it. I get mad at my my DBs. But, you know, sometimes I do have to remind myself that they are human and they make mistakes. I just thought it was a good outlook and it inspired a lot of confidence for me. Now, granted, it's media day and all these guys do is inspire confidence in you. Like there's yep. never a more positive day than media day for the most part um but it did inspire a lot of confidence in me yeah because that's that's the big thing right because obviously with players especially with joe too joe never obviously this is kind of his second straight postseason where he's had a disappointing performance but at the same time this won't hit home a little more right because the expectations were really high 
he missed that three right at the right when the final minute was going on. That could have put them up three and broke that tie. So that could have been a big game changer in many ways, as we all know. But that's the big thing was that he obviously with Joe is he's not one of those guys that are really influenced by social media and which is a good approach to take. Cause obviously when you're athletes, you're in the public eye and most athletes don't necessarily look at social media or weigh social media very heavily. And what Joe said, what was funny too, he goes, the only criticism I take is from my mom or the, like his family, I think of some sort of mom and sister, mom and sister. Right. So like, that was the main thing. So overall it was just pretty cool to see how he handled that. It wasn't, and plus, on top of that, too, he even said, too, that, like, going in, like, um, with the three-point, like, his poor three-point shooting, that was just a motivating factor into the offseason. I really worked on my shot overall. Like, he just talked about just improving as a whole. And the big thing, too, is, too, he took responsibility. Yeah. He took responsibility from the, the end of Game 7 to now, right? He took, yeah, yeah. always took responsibility. He never dodged it. He never said, oh, I could have done this little, like, instead of just shooting, oh, I could have shot better. I could have taken more shots, you know? Yeah. Obviously that that could be missing like interpreted in many ways. Everyone would be like, no, I don't want you to take any more shots. But like as we all know, shooters, when they shoot more, they get more in a rhythm. You know, you start towards the basket, you move more out, we get in a rhythm sort of thing. So I loved how Joe handled and Joe Harris handled that yesterday. And um overall I went downward. I, I'm not one of those guys too that are like, oh, trade Joe Harris. Yeah. Like, you know, like Joe Harris, I, I'm not I can't even get into it too much, but Joe Harris, what he did in the regular season last year. Career high in three-point shooting. I think he led the league for the second time, or it could be third time in three-point percentage. Second time. And then you just, like, overall, like, the impact is there. It's just that can he handle those postseason lights, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the perfect counter to these guys. Like, the literally yep. the perfect cherry on top. Um, it's it just – he makes them unguardable. Like, for defensive rotations, for you to have to leave one of KD, Kyrie, or Joe Harris to, like, rotate and – stop a drive if, if you know let's say Harden he's running pick and roll or he even just isolates and gets to the basket it's not fair like that is not yeah. fair at all and it's what makes them so freaking tough and it'll be a big thing for this year is going to be figuring out who that fifth guy is but you know who the fourth guy is and I feel pretty confident saying it should be yep. Joe Harris um yep. I wanted to to switch gears well actually first I, <laughs> I want to add this little anecdote as well Joe Harris and Bruce Brown have like the best bromance like it is oh yeah it's great you know and I, I like those fun elements too because yesterday was a little bit of a hard day I think people felt that way but there were those moments that I'm thinking about now where uh, Bruce turns to Joe and he says oh Joe that was a really great answer <laughs> like, yeah Joe, that was like, a really good answer and they're you know like messing around with each other in the hall before they come in like it was just that that part was nice to see it. It's it's fun. Those are the moments that I've really missed. Just yeah. in being in the building, you do get that human component. When it exactly. was on Zoom, like you know, I think people saw this if they went on and went onto YouTube and watched a presser. Mm-hmm. But we would just see these guys. They take our questions. Maybe they'd say something funny at the end. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd be mm-hmm. like, you know, look like you guys just asked the worst questions ever. Maybe they'd say, "Well, that was a great question. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be in a good mood." And that'll be it. It would just be on camera and leave. That's and it. It's kind of nice to be around that, even if it is socially distanced, masked, which obviously is the right thing to do. Um, it's that part was nice. I've really missed that. So let's switch gears. Yeah, a very good note. Very good note. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about extensions. I know you've got a lot yeah. on that, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. So like the extensions was interesting, right? Because obviously back in August, I think it was right before summer league. Sean Marks was like. Signed, sealed, delivered. Big three, signed, sealed, delivered, right? Get it all done. 
Kevin Durant fell the day after the Olympic final, right? After the gold medal that Sunday. Then you go in and Shaw Marks on Tuesday repeat the same message, but it wasn't as kind of focused on first day of training camp. It was now that these guys are coming back in the building, that we're going to get them next week, a couple weeks in, we're going to get those talks ramping up, right? That was the key word, ramp up. Then we heard Irving and Harden both talk about it. Harvey, Harden obviously spoke first on it. KD, I guess you could say, spoke first on his behalf of his extension. Yeah. But you already knew that there was going to be an extra element into it when Kevin Durant said, I respect that they're going to take their own time with it, right? Because right away when I heard him say that, I knew that Harden was going to come up arguably next or Irving, whichever one was going to the PR chose, and they were going to express patience, which Harden did, right? Yes. Harden said, I'm going to be patient with it. Because when you think about Harden, everyone – because when I was looking over the responses to the extensions, they're positive, right? Because it wasn't that, okay, he's taking his time because he's just completely unsure that his future wants to be in Brooklyn. I don't think that's the case because Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all said that they have talked about playing together for a long time, for num- numerous amounts of times. So Harden overall, he mostly said the main reason is because he's been through a lot this whole this whole past year. Think about it. From Houston – denying the two-year 103 extension then obviously that the whole kind of mishap he had going on in houston he wanted out they wouldn't trade him then obviously he had to kind of really force his way out gets traded then you have the hamstring strain at the end of the season where he was rehabbing that throughout the whole summer now he's back and healthy like and the big thing is too he never said it was about the money he said it's not about the money i just want to be on a team that could contend for multiple multiple years yep and be at the highest level of competition there is no other team in the, in the league, aside from, I guess you could say the Lakers, if they have those touching pieces, Clippers as well, you know, those, those handfuls of teams that can really meet that criteria. There's no better team that meets that criteria than the Nets, considering that you have Kevin Durant locked up till 2026. Irving is one of those guys that he even said in his own response that talks are going very well, that he mostly expressed optimism, just pure optimism that every Nets fan wants to hear. And he's 29. Obviously, KD's 32, and I think Harden's around that same age bracket as well, right? So you have those things where if you really want to contend for multiple, multiple years, I think Harden mostly wants to just kind of lay off the gas a minute, kind of get the ball rolling and have his mindset focused on a championship rather than saying, let me just lock up the extension before the season and then focus on a championship. I like kind of that approach because at the same time, it's not so – there's no optimism where Harden may sign somewhere elsewhere. It's optimism that he's focusing on a championship and that he's going into training camp with that championship mindset and not making the extension of distraction within his teammates saying that like, you know, Oh, I'm going to sign it the day before, like at training camp, whatever the case is. No, he dismissed and said, I'm being patient. He didn't name a timetable. He didn't name anything. That's mostly not put a distraction on his teammates saying, okay, guys, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to be here the full rest of my career type of thing, you know? Yep. So you have those elements. So that's kind of like my two cents. Plus, you got to also remember, too, even though they say it's not about the money, you know, quick little note here, three years, 61 million for Harden. If he signs now, four year, 81 for 181 for Irving. If he signs now, they wait another offseason. You get one more year and you get a lot more money on top of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they're both going to extend. Like, I, I would yeah. be mm-hmm. I would be utterly shocked if they didn't. Um mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know what the quibble is right now for mm-hmm. for Harden. Maybe it is just a timing thing. Maybe they are. You know, I, I, I just don't know at this point in time. I, I don't think it'll go too long, though. I, I wouldn't say that just in terms of, like, how long mm-hmm. we're going to wait for him to extend. 
Uh, because I think you do run the risk of it eventually becoming a distraction where it is going to be like, hey, it, you know, we're whatever, we're a month into the season and um, there's been no discussion of that. You're clearly yeah. around the team now. Because I think that's part of the problem, and Sean even said that. Or not problem, that's a strong word. Part of the, uh, part of the one of the many ingredients into this mm-hmm. um, is that, I, I, you know, Sean made it pretty clear, like he, they haven't had huge talks with them because they haven't been able to sit down together. Like he said, I want to do these in person, which makes sense. I mean, that is something I don't think you should want to do over Zoom. Um, and and if that's the case, then it makes sense why we have not seen these. I you know, Kyrie is. I I actually don't know what Kyrie's been doing this offseason. James Harden's been doing many things. He has yeah, been many getting, things. He's been touching doing, a lot of corners of the earth, touching a way, lot yeah. of corners of the <laughs> earth. And we will leave it there. So that I think is a big factor in this. But I, the takeaway for me is that he said he wants to be in Brooklyn long term. Exactly. It's not a yeah. one, you know, one plus one, whatever. That no. suggests to me that this is going to be a long term thing, mm-hmm. and that that should be the main takeaway there. Now, mm-hmm. extensions I thought that were interesting, and this detail that I did not see, I I tweeted it out. I I don't I didn't see any. I don't know if it, anybody commented on it or anything. Period. Nicholas Claxton said there have been no discussions of an extension. And the way he brought that up didn't really, you know, he didn't really say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're like, he just said, no, we haven't talked about it. Mm -hmm. I just, I wrote that down. I was like writing that down because I think that's interesting. I don't know if it means anything. It probably doesn't. I just thought it was interesting. It was one of the few instances where we got, a little something, and I felt like we can really, I could sit down and discuss with somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, these guys are all so media trained, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? Because with Claxton, you can't, well, first off, you can't let that guy walk. If you're even thinking about him not being a part of your organization for years to come, you can't let yeah. him walk. And on top of that, too, I feel like the reason why they haven't really mentioned it was because they have these two big extensions to go with first. To yep. see how they can plan out the rest of their cap, obviously the money details, everything X, Y, and Z. On top of that, it's it's an interesting point with Nick because Steve Nash said he's going to have a prominent role this year, which really means that he's going to be an integral part of their their system going forward through this championship run. And then when I asked Nick yesterday about his role, what he does know, he kind of took that high road approach like he did multiple times last year, saying, "Be honest." I have no clue. I don't, I'm not sure. Yep. I'm going into training camp. Got to see how it, everything turns out. I think Claxton's extension, I think it's like, I was like 50 mil. I think it's 50 mil, in somewhere in that ballpark that you extend for. And the good thing there is too, is you just look around. I feel like once the Harden and Irving ball drops, then you'll start to hear a little more, whether we present that to Nick and get that ball rolling or the or the extension just comes right there and there and then just gets signed. But overall, with Nick, he's too talented overall. And obviously, a lot of people are saying, yeah, he's young. But if you weigh his talent level, this is the most interesting thing I found in my class, right? He's played 47 NBA games over the past two years. 47. That's very low, let alone for one season, right? To his production, skill set, and overall talent and just foreseeable just – kind of everything that he could do on this court defensively and well defensively obviously is the main highlight right but then offensively with hard on the floor how Harden talked about him saying that he sees him as a capella in that yes interview the yes network interview 
there's all these green lights that say he's loved by his teammates. But at the same time, if you want to give him that extension, obviously Joe Sy is going to have to dig a little deeper into the tax. That's where kind of it weighs down to. Yeah, and I wonder if it's just a situation where they want to see what he kind of looks like and what what a big year looks like for Nick. What a healthy offseason looks like for Nicholas Claxton. He's a young player, and he is – I mean, I think he's one of the best well, – this is not a hot take. I think he's one of the best switch bigs. I think he's one of the better – like perimeter defenders in the league. I mean, he is nuts. If you really, you know, the the footage that we got last year of the footwork, what, is just... the footwork is insane, and he's still got ways to go. Like he still bites on pump fakes. There are still mm-hmm. certain things that he needs to improve with his verticality. Um, it just you know, it he's a, clearly got a natural skill for that, mm-hmm. but it's a big year for him. And mm-hmm. I think with all the time that he's missed. The holes that he has in his game, because he does. I mean, he's not, he's basically in the does, post on defense. He doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, well, yeah, that for one, but just offensively, mm-hmm. like there just isn't a lot there just yet. There was flashes of offensive rebounding, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But right now, he's mostly just a guy that's going to operate at the dunker spot. I yep. think that could be a factor. If this is going to be one mm-hmm. of the guys that you're going to give a long term contract, and mind you, they've had you know, a lot of guys that they've mm-hmm. sort of said, Hey, best of luck, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo yep. Russell, um, mm-hmm. Jared Allen, yep. guys that they have, and players that are all very good players. They have chose to move on from for various reasons, whether it is part of mm-hmm. a trade to bring a better player in, they have still moved on. I think that it would make sense for them to say, Hey, if we're going to offer, you know, Nicholas Claxton, our first really long-term contract for somebody that is not you know a big three member really the first one i think since joe mm-hmm. harris am i right it seems like you'd be the first person I believe so yeah it's joe yeah, yeah. so it it's joe it's been it's been a while so i think that could be the motivating factor now he was bigger he was and it wasn't a lot yeah still, you asked him that you asked him about that oh i i gave him the opportunity to do a muscle watch quote like, i'm hooking <laughs> yeah. you up bro <laughs> I, I hooked him up i just but he said he's, he's 220 right 225 so Oof. I think that's 10 pounds. Now, granted, he's still, like, skinny for yeah. his mm-hmm. size. And I think because of that, he's still going to probably be more of, like, I call him a wing defender. Yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. I – because, yeah, he's just not going to be guarding, like, Embiid or anybody like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a good sign. So I'm I'm curious. I'm excited to see what he does next. Uh, what do you think he should add next? Like, like just to his game overall? Yeah. Like, obviously, the main th- – like, everyone wants a three-point shot, right, just because how the Nets run, right? But the thing is, like, when I watched him in the G League in the very beginning during his rookie year shooting, like, his presence, it's very – like, you have to go back and watch highlights on this. He was utterly dominant in the G League. And I'm not just saying that because, like, you know, I covered them and everything like that. Yeah. He was utterly dominant. And obviously, you could say what you want about the G League and the talent back then when, when he was there, Right. Yeah, but he dominated interior presence, three point shot, mid range shots. It kind of just gave him a platform to just unleash and work on all parts of his game to find that comfortability. And the one thing that stuck out to me was that three point shot. And it's it, it's obviously aside from form, it's it's a quick release for someone his size, yeah. but at the same time, it needs to be a little quicker. And I feel like that's one of those things too. Plus, on top of that he's had shoulder issues, right? So with shoulder issues, he talked about, Hey, I am working on my jump shot, right? Or, Hey, I am working on this. 
But with all that shoulder rehab as well, how in-depth did he really construct that shot? So that goes for everything, just mid-range shooting, three-point shooting, just overall, just anything outside the paint where he could contribute shooting-wise. Because we don't really know because we haven't really gotten a strong sample size of that. On yeah. top of that, like it's – I would say shooting one is something that he could really incorporate because not only does that give the Nets – a kind of platform saying, like you mentioned, we saw the guys that they've walked away with in the past. Dinwiddie, Russell, Lavert, Allen, we've seen those guys. But if he could really add that jump shot factor into his kind of just his overall offensive arsenal outside of defense, then there's multiple ways you could really run with him. Yeah, I mean, first off with the shooting I, I need to see the free throw shooting first. Now, that, you can yeah. sometimes be a good, like a league average three-point shooter and then be like a kind of poor free, th- free throw shooter. But he was, I have to check the percentages right now, but they were yeah, like low was, last year. And and to me... In, it was in the 70s of something, I think. I, I want to say they were like in the 60s. They were, yeah, so he shot 60, no. He shot 48% from the free throw line, which... For me, is like I'm assuming that's going to be nerves. I, that's just going to. That's, yeah. I'm going to run with that as the assumption. But still, I mean, even in his first year, he shot 52 percent from the line. So I I need to see that kind of hammered out before mm-hmm. I even think about the shooting. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks the lowest hanging fruit is what he was really improving upon, and it's just the biggest shame of last year. There were so many things that kind of went wrong. Mm-hmm. One of the first ones was his uh, health and safety protocols absence that came right before it happened in those two, like, I think it was right before the two uh, Milwaukee games. It just came in this yeah. really crucial point in the season. Yeah. Cause he played in the second one for like five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It just, you know, it just hit at this point right when he was hitting his stride. Mm-hmm. And I just don't really feel like he ever got his spot back in a way. And the big thing that he was improving on was rolling, setting screens. I think that's the next thing, not just being a roller that can, you know, rise up for dunks, but if he's in a situation where he's going to get the ball on the short roll, I think he needs to be able to make plays out of that for what the Nets are doing. So he needs to be able to try to I like that, yeah. I think that's kind of what I settle on. Now, the issue that we saw with him, and this is way deep in the season, is in the playoffs when the Celtics were switching everything, he would get mismatches with like Evan Fournier and couldn't post them up. Mm-hmm. That would be nice to figure out. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I don't know if it happens ever. <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm towards the fact where I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Nets are going to try their hardest to really get him out of those situations. And I it, feel like for a team to get him in those situations, obviously through, through switching, right? There's, yeah. Obviously. But I feel like on top of that, I feel like the Nets are going to work with it. But at the same time, I feel like they're really going to gonna get him out of those situations, obviously for big body bigs. But like you mentioned, for really just tall, just like a guy like Fournier or like a Jonathan Isaac or like, you know, those type of just molds. I would like to see him at least weigh it out and try it out rather than avoid it, because then that's just a weak spot on the court. But yeah. at the same time, I, I I agree with that, that there should be a little more post presence, especially defense against non-big body bigs. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you you kind of have to put a guy into the basket to a degree. And part of that is he's just not strong enough right now that he's able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But it makes him more predictable if he catches the ball in the short roll, guys stay home on the corners, 
and they don't, you know, say, oh my God, Evan Fournier has a mismatch with Nicholas Claxton. Like, if they're just like, go ahead and do that, well, then mm-hmm. he has no choice but to kind of just like, you know, do whatever the running hooks. And so I, I think that's the big thing. But I, I, your shooting point is smart too, because if he does figure that out, if he gets to like 32, it doesn't even need to yeah, be good. It doesn't have to be like that far. 32%. Yeah. If he can make that at the top of the key, that's big. It gives him multiple mm-hmm. options out of the pick and roll. It, mm-hmm. It'll keep a defense honest. It'll just, the point is just, you want to mix things up mm-hmm. and keep teams on their toes. So, um, I yeah, I, I, I think, I think we've, we've hit the clack stuff pretty well. I'm excited for him. He's, he's one of the, it's a big year. Ones. It's going to be a big year. And like, that's, that's the big thing for him too, is that you just see, especially last year, just to add one more little note on Claxton, you saw last year how much the big stars really appreciated him. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just like he was, he was a guy that, was oh he's got a lot of potential he's a young guy i really liked his minutes harden literally talked about him as he was like a capella type player harden got capella 90 mil then you got kd talking just how he's worked out with kd in the past off the court and overall just look at this summer he's been with harden countless amounts of times working on that pick and roll or just shots in the corner you have those elements to it where he's been working out with them that just shows the promise in him yeah, and it's it's his it's on the table for him. Like I think yeah. he kind of decides his destiny this year, which is an appropriate way, I guess, to look at yeah. a young guy on a team like this. But yeah, I'm I'm high on him. Like I I've I've I'm always said he can be their bridge player. I feel pretty strongly about that. Oh, well, Cam Thomas makes a really intriguing case. Yeah, I'm Cam not gonna Thomas lie. But um, all right. Do you have what's your next one? Do you have anything that you you've hit on uh, that we haven't hit on? I should say that you want to get into. I would say overall, just the, the the approach. Like we knew that guys want to come here to win a championship, right? Yeah. But the but how Paul Millsap explained that yesterday, and same thing with Blake resigning, that just shows it wasn't just about winning too, right? Because they threw that in there to lead off the quote. But there were so many other little elements that really stuck out to me, right? Obviously, winning now. Then you have the performance team type of stuff, which was like, it's kind of big when you look at it in a perspective through just being an older player in the league and especially on this type of team. Because it kind of hit me because I remember when Blake Griffin came here, right? Just to get a little off track. Blake Griffin, when he came here, the Nets held him out for, I think, two to, I think it was close to three weeks. It could have been two. Yeah. To just get his knees back in shape from when he just sat on the bench in Detroit, didn't play. I think that approach not just to Blake really made some noise around the league because it shows how much the nets really care about their players rather than just kind of putting them on the court saying, Hey, get out there. Cause you saw how Paul Millsap really talked about it yesterday saying, you don't really understand until you're a younger player, but he talked about performance team, catering chefs, just all those little outside factors that people and us really don't really focus on that much that really made an impact in his decision. So I think that was that was a little interesting though, and same thing with Paul. Paul's just interesting because he he didn't like he's he's your pick and pop. He could rebound. He's got those elements to his game. Do you think that when you think about Sham's quote or his report back in the day, where it's he he's going to compete for a starting spot? Do you see that as a realistic expectation, or do you see it as more of he can really fill something being that? Six that first guy off the bench or second guy off the bench to really provide that front court help. Oh, this is great. I didn't think I was going to get a hot take on a a, a media day pod. Um, a little I, yeah. 
may like him. We'll see what it looks like. I may like him a little better than Blake. Not not to oh, okay. be like, you know, if, but if we're really looking at this as like, let's say it comes down to a decision of like aligning those guys and figuring out who's presumably taking the starting four spot, four. I guess. Yeah. I, I It's such a weird, it's so weird how this team so is just weird. like, changed in size i have to think of these guys yeah. all differently quote-unquote positionless that's that's the that's the word we hear all the time i i uh, let, all right here's a brief tangent <laughs> we can't use positionless for everything exactly if, if the league was truly positionless the blake griffin lamarcus aldridge pairing would have worked yep. positionless works for when you have like th- four wings on the court you know four threes i guess and yeah. you're able to play together or three point guards, but, mm-hmm. but it's just like you're you playing do four it. bigs yeah. together. Like, no, that's not that's not positionless. That's clunky, and like that is mm-hmm. to a degree positions. I think do apply to big men. I brief tangent. I've I've heard that before, <laughs> and I've heard the players do that before, and I've heard Steve do that before, and I'm like, okay, I I mean, I guess you know, I'm not gonna tell you what to think or anything, but me, you know, I'm not gonna tell Steve Nash how to look at basketball. I just I'm always like I don't know if it works that way. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. That's that's the thing with me too, because it's like Steve Nash all last year. We're a positionless basketball team. Like we we like that's all you really heard. And then this time around, like Bruce Brown, I asked Bruce. I was just like, you know what? Like I'm interested to see what he says about Seku. Obviously, me and you feel the same way about Seku. I think yeah. the hype is kind of overhyped. You know, yeah. I don't think he didn't do that well in Detroit. Let's just, I don't I don't think we really need to dive into Seiko on this one. But yeah. when I asked him about it, he said he's positionless, right? Or he's this. You have all these positionless. I'm just not a fan of the positionless. Like what you exactly said, Blake Aldridge. No, like you have those little pieces. If you could do, you could do the three wings. You could do the three threes outside, right? But when you start mixing and matching that front court, you do need big bodies because we saw what happens with the Nets if they can't have those big bodies down low. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's it just only applies. It, I don't know if it applies to every single player type. A lot of it just comes out of like shooting and and the ability to create your own shot. Like that's where I see the positionless thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, you asked, so you asked about Millsap. Um, yeah, I, I I might be a little higher on Millsap just because I think he fills more holes. Like he is a more willing three point shooter. I think he's a better rebounder than Blake. I also might be a little higher on him defensively. Just because he, so I don't, I don't know if you know, but and I'm, I'm doing a video on this that is going to come out, I think tomorrow if I get this done. Ooh, today, let's go uh, on Paul Millsap. Big thing about him in Denver is that he was used in a hedged recover pick and roll coverage where he's basically jumping out at the ball handler and then recovering back to his man. The issue wasn't when he jumped out to the ball handler; it was backtracking back. and trying to find his angle back. That was the part where I felt like that's where you saw the most, you know, errors, I guess. So let's, you know, for exa- good example, Dario Saric in the series between those two teams, whenever they'd run a pick and pop, Dario Saric would get like an open look pretty much every single time because it, Millsap just couldn't get over there in time. Mm-hmm. You're obviously not doing that in Brooklyn. Not You're just that. straight up switching. And, you know, there's going to be games where like if he's guarding Trey Young, Trey Young's going to torch him. Like it's going to happen. Yeah, but it's going to happen. Yeah. That's what Trey Young does. He also has really quick hands, is a pretty solid defender staying in front of guys, and I just I'm high on him. Like I think he was my favorite free agent acquisition. And I agree. Yeah, honestly, Mills. he was mine too. He was mine too. Patty Mills was up there because Patty Mills is like he's one of those guys that you could run 
on ball, off ball, so many roles, just overall depth, obviously, is the big thing there, too. Yeah. He's a culture guy. He's a locker room presence, knows what it's like to win, knows how it's like to really play with these star players, because obviously his days in San Antonio with their big three. I think that that that's such an underlooked pickup. Yeah. Outside of just his production on the hardwood. Right. But I think overall Millsap was my favorite too. But I think one other point to hit on while we talk about Patty, right? Did you like Cam's Thomas? Uh, one thing that caught my my attention was Cam Thomas's confidence of carving himself out a role with this team. He didn't just want to be that guy that's okay, I'll take on like low garbage time minutes at the end of a game or I'll come in for three to six minutes, whatever the case is, he wants to really carve himself out a role. And I feel like, do you, do you find that more as him being a competitor or do you put face value on that? Yeah. I mean, there's two ways you could obviously take that. You could say, oh, okay, this guy's, this is going to be a problem. Or you could say that's good. The competition is healthy. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> part of this, of course, it's going to come back to Kyrie is, he may have more opportunity yep, in certain yep. games. Mm-hmm. We'll see. He might get a really good shot at playing. I also think you could play him next to somebody like James Harden um, mm-hmm. and and play. I mean, it would be probably not the best lineup defensively, but Patty Mills is so good off ball. I'd really just see him more as like a better Landry Shamit. Um, yeah, you know. I agree. If, so if you if you feel good about Cam Thomas and what you're seeing, I think there are ways to insert him in. Now he's got to prove himself. And improve on things. I think you asked about what he's worked on, right? This offseason was I, I with Cam? No, I didn't ask about Cam. I asked uh, who asked about what he's working on. Somebody asked I did. Him. I did say whose expectations. Someone asked about Pat or uh, Cam Thomas's shots. He mostly said that he was just working on just his overall shot production, consistency, and decision making. Decision making was a big one in there too. Because when you really look at his college days, right? When you mm. look about how he does, he was demanded a lot. You could tell that. Yeah within five like two minutes of watching his film it's hey we need a big shot we need a momentum switch like you know in college get go any wing you want grab the catch and shoot off the dribble off a screen you name it he's gonna do it and that was like one of those concerns where it's one of those things it's how does that transfer translate to the nba level right how is he had that in summer league too like he had that in summer league like it was translated it translated well. And I think that'll be the big thing for him is like those decisions. Like if he gets the ball coming off a curl and he's open, he's got to go up with it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If he's, if Harden runs a pick and roll, you know, gains an advantage for Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas catches it. He has to attack from there. Like mm-hmm. he, he's got to make those split second decisions because he's going to be playing with guys that are going to create advantages for him which mm-hmm. is going to be different. He's not creating his own advantages as much. He'll, of course, have some opportunity to do that. But mm-hmm. in large part, I do think there's a world where he is going to be creating things off other people's moves, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, attacks on offense. And um, I just thought that was interesting. I think that'll be a big mm-hmm. adjustment, but that's the right mentality. Um, as far as whether I think he's going to play, I mean, Steve Nash had that quote about, you know, kind of, I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was kind what, of a long term development. Yeah. That, is that one, right? And yeah, it gave he me said, like he mostly a, just said, yeah, if he can't carve out a role for himself now, it's focused on long term development. There's really no worry here, right? It's not yeah. like, oh, he doesn't fit our system, do the same thing. It's kind of, it's a very similar to Dayron Sharp as well, you know? Right. So. Right. And, and we'll learn like what type of a coach he is in that way. We know a lot of things about what Steve Nash does in terms of the communicator, um, mm-hmm. the, I guess, the sets and stuff that they like to run and, 
whatever, but, and how he turns over, I think, leadership to the players. But this is new. Like, he has young players this year, and mm-hmm. we're going to learn how he handles that. Is he going to mm-hmm. be, what's a good example? Like, a Doc Rivers, I think, is a good example. Yeah. Um, Larry Brown is the famous one, where yeah. it's like, he's just not going to play the young guys at all in year one, and that's going to sort of be the situation. So we're going to learn kind of what Steve Nash is like. And on top of that, the, the good thing is, too, is we've seen over the years there, – there, there's two parts of this, right? We've seen over the years if there's young guys that can't get a lot of minutes, they get to go on assignment in the G League. Yeah. Right? We saw John Amuza, Karuks, obviously Claxton. The list goes on of just X, Y, and Zs, right? Cabarro here and there. And one thing that was interesting, one of the benefits of, I guess, being affiliated with G League, when we went up – when me and Alec went up on uh, what was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday mm-hmm. to the open tryout. Um, someone asked him, "What's it like being working with the Nets, being so close with the Nets, and at the same time working with their players?" And when you t- look at Adam Kaporn's reaction, it gave off that he's expecting assignment players to be there. Mm. So there's also. So you could you could think about multiple avenues. Obviously, Demboya is like kind of that main one if he stays, right? Because he spent a lot of time in the G League. He's kind of in that spot of okay, there's there's a lot of guys at his position. Obviously, he's positionless. You could plug him in multiple spots, but at the same time, he's very raw, and I feel like he's kind of the top candidate for it. Mm-hmm. Then you got other guys. I don't. Dayron, Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas. They're mostly coin flips because I don't think they'll go down to the G League, but I won't be surprised if they do like a little two, three, four game stint down there. Yeah, I think know? it'll depend how they look. Like it'll yeah. I mean, preseason will probably get. I mean, they will definitely get opportunity, and that'll that'll be determined pretty early. Um, yeah, and I you know who knows? I mean, there's a bunch That's of guys. I think Kessler really... Edwards could be a real player for the Nets. Like they have a need yeah. for his skill set as much as they've added players. They are a little shy on the wing depth the you know the guy that is I mean I kind of looked at him as like what the Nets wanted from Andre Robertson like he's that guy that like the shooting touch yeah the shooting touch he's gonna make the right rotations he's a guy I think has like a real opportunity to play um Mm -hmm. and and that'll be exciting like you know Alec is covering the G League this year it's a like it's fun year like there is really it's gonna be a very fun year for him yeah like there's a real chance there's players down there that uh he gets to track and could matter like a significant amount matter. Of oh, yeah. oh um, yeah who's your favorite presser we'll end with that L- just overall question. yeah Ooh. my favorite presser yesterday uh well the favorite line i guess was joe harris talking about hey i get enough i get enough abuse from my mom and sister over the yeah the shooting performance right but i guess my favorite presser just overall i would have to go with james harden because mm. the reason i picked james is because obviously he's no stranger to really expressing his confidence, but he handled everything yesterday of how he's approaching the season. Just ultimately want to win a championship. I just want to win a championship. The amount of times he really said that, and the amount of times he said that, not just like in a kind of like a joking manner, like, hey, I want to win a championship. He, like, you could tell by his body language, he wants this. Yeah. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. So you have him. So I, I found that very interesting. I'm trying to think the most impressive presser i would have mm, i would go trying to think here you know i would just overall joe harris had the line harden honestly i'm gonna stick with harden i'm gonna stick with harden i think Harden. why what about you i actually really liked lamarcus's 
presser. I thought he was very candid. I really like that he let everybody in on what the experience was and was like truly honest about it. There were just a lot of the, the general fear that he had and the way he kind of let everybody know the timing of like, he was freaked out. Like he made that very clear, was scared to go on a basketball, like just all these little details that I think you don't always get. It puts in perspective, right? It puts it in perspective. You, and I think people look at athletes as superheroes, these guys that, Oh, you know, they're the best health possible. Like, and, and it was just a nice moment. And I, I think it was really valuable that he let people in that way. And and the other thing I picked up is like, I, you know, we, he only covered him for what, like five games. Hmm. That was the one where I, I noticed the biggest discrepancy between talking to these guys over Zoom and in person. In person. I didn't realize fully like how soft-spoken and reserved and just kind of chilled out he is mm-hmm. and in, in a way that I kind of made more sense. And it also made it more valuable in a way that he was letting everybody know about this process. He mm-hmm. was letting everybody know that he not only he was freaked out, but the second he wanted to come back, the reason why he mm-hmm. kind of stuck with the retirement as long as he did. And mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a really unique experience that we don't get every time. A lot of times it's about, mm-hmm. Oh, what happened? What did, what went well in this game? What mm-hmm. didn't go well? It was a nice human moment, I guess. And um, I, I just, I feel like I have a better feel for him now in a way that I just didn't over zoom. I could not mm-hmm. figure out. Lamarcus. That's the thing. That's yeah. the thing when you're in, when you're in person, especially like when you really like after games, after wins, after losses, as the season goes on, obviously we don't know what the deal is going to be with locker room access. I think it's yeah. just going to be podium straight, how we did it this in media day. Yeah. But when you see just the overall that in person, even that those guys throughout media day were like, Oh, it's great to see you guys in person. Yeah. Like, you know, they weren't just saying that like to say it, they actually meant it, right. You see it on their faces. You see the joy, the normalcy factor. There's that as well. But would you, I, I got to ask you, what do you think about uh, David Letterman's uh, interviews? Like, oh God. Like, good oh. point. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Man, it was weird. So, like, I sat down yeah. and I I was yeah, because you were there in person. So I want to know, like, obviously over Zoom, right? I'll get I can give you my side first. Yeah, go for it. So, what when we were over Zoom, right? Because obviously you and Bob were there in person. Like, I saw Barbara Barker, who's news that great reporter. I saw her tweet, and it was like, "Here's David Letterman in the back of the media room." And I'm even thinking, I'm like, "What's David Letterman doing in the Nets media room?" Right? And obviously, we we know that there's some celebrity appearances on media day here and there. Yep. But David Letterman was just very odd. But it made sense if you're like an old time Nets fan because he would show up to a lot of games and stuff like that. So it was there. Mm. So over Zoom, we heard, "Oh, the man with the hand raised in the back," whatever the case is, and then you heard him talk or whatever the case is. This is where I'll kind of leave it to you because after that, it was just traditional Zoom. No one really caught on to it that much until you start hearing the jokes. Yeah, I mean, I walked I walked in. I'm I'm hungry. I, I didn't eat enough before I came. Big mistake. And I'm walking in. I'm like, I look around and I see this guy with this big beard. And in my head, I'm like, man, that looks a lot like David Letterman. But, you know, I'm not going to sit there and, like, go nudge everybody like, hey, is that David Letterman? Who is that? Like, I'm just like, yeah. all right, I don't want to be that guy. Like, you know, because if he's not, then I'm just the weirdo that's, like, saying, oh, you know, you know, older dude this the old with dude a gray looks like beard David, looks yeah. like, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to leave it alone. And once he stood up and started talking, I kind of figured it out. And I also saw him, like, interacting with the guys around him a little bit and saying, oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, I'm David from mm-hmm. Basketball Digest or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm like, okay. And he was just kind of hamming it up in a way where I knew I knew there was a camera somewhere. Like, you can just sort of mm-hmm. tell when somebody's doing something for a bit. So at mm-hmm. that point, I started to realize, mm-hmm. when he stood up and asked the question, also, first off, not just they weren't funny. I, I don't yeah. know why... You know, yeah. I, I was talking to somebody there and they were like, you should the writers about. underperformed on those yeah. ones. It, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't that funny. And I still don't know if KD fully knew who it was. Mm-hmm. My read was he didn't, but it mm-hmm. also could just be KD being like, this is really not that funny at all. And like, mm-hmm. so I don't, it could have been one or the other, but it's one or the other. Cause that was interesting. Cause like I saw the yes, yes network interview where they talked about it and there were like, the main thing was like, oh, Kevin, you kept a straight face through all of it. He goes, yeah, I tried to keep a straight face, like, you know, all that. But, like, when you look at just, like, the body language, especially on Zoom, too, their face is zoomed in. Yeah. He did not crack a smile at all yeah. until that little Pelican's giggle thing came up. And I think it was just the word giggle just made him laugh. Yeah. I think that was really the overall thing. That was funny. I'm not going to lie. That, that, was that, that one was at. good. That, was, that one was a good one. But overall, like, the Knicks joke was kind of – it's recycled – you look at the KD, it was just, it's a good intro if you really want, like, to just kind of just see what his response will be. But they were, the jokes just weren't there. You know, it was, yeah. it was a just a overall, just very weird thing. And I know a lot of beat writers too. Like, there was Greg tweeted it out. Greg was like, I hated it. I didn't like it. You know, there was just like, there was those opinions on it. They, they make the media look good, whatever the case right. is. But, like, in my opinion, like, if, even if I was in that room, like, you were in whatever the case is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it that far. You know, everyone knows why David Letterman was in there. Everyone knows why he was in there. He was trying to do a bit, whatever the case is. He left right after that. He didn't really hug up too much time, but he did hug up a lot of right. time. Right. It was a good start to a day that it eventually was, like, a very odd day. day. A very – a day that I'm sure the NBA – would love to get back in a lot of ways. I think. Mm, yeah. I think the NBA would have loved to get that one back, but it was a it was a tone setter, and it was also really a, just strange. I, I I didn't know what was going on. I was you know the the end was funny, and the the quote about you know whatever uh, KD said they're letting anybody in here that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It also kind of made me feel like I don't know if he fully knows who this. I mean, maybe he's just throwing back at him, but that's what I thought. I just it didn't give it off to me that I don't think yeah. he knew who he was. And like I just it didn't it didn't make too much sense. And then like I think I saw so I read something on Twitter that like Katie's part of his Netflix show or something like that. That oh, so really? like there's there's like a connection there. I, I remember seeing that on Twitter and I was just like, all right, I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt. Not like huh. a, it wasn't like an article or anything like that. So it's like there's nothing you could really base it off of. Yeah. But I saw those couple things and I don't know. It was just a very it's just very a perfect word to sum that up is just weird. It, it was, was just strange. weird, you know. It was just weird, yeah. Yeah, there, there's that. Um, um anything else we gotta touch on dude uh, i think we hit I, it dude, i think we hit it honestly i think, I think we, we nailed covered it. everything yeah dude. Right. well i'm gonna let you plug away first off chris thank you for coming on it's always good to talk course, to you brother. i will be having you on at multiple points in the season yes, and sir. i look forward to that but yeah i want to let you plug away anything you got coming out anything you're excited for yeah so we got we got obviously training camp coming up don't still it's going to be interesting to see how it navigates some guys are there me and matt are coming from back in the the tri-state area yeah. So you got training camp coming up. Me and Doug want to get a couple podcasts out still. He's got like a job or whatever the case is. I told I, I was like, yeah, let's like let's do it. Let's get a couple more out. So we're gonna start navigating that and that route. Um I am working on my second book still. I don't want to release the name of it yet, whatever the case is. Still kind of working on it, nice. getting that done. So there's that. And then um Dude, this is the second overall. book plug I've had on this podcast. 
It made really? me think oh, I should okay. write a book. <laughs> Dude, it's a sign. It's I a had sign. Mike Prada on last time, and he was like, yeah, oh, I got yeah. a book coming He's out. So I was like, okay, I guess I guess I'm the book podcast, man. Brother, you got to write one. Because like when you write one, it's one of those things that's just like, I don't know. You just, it's so, like, you feel just so accomplished. Yeah. A lot of work, a lot of, like, just blood, sweat, and tears and those things. You got those. And just overall, you can find me and Matt's worth both at Nets Daily. Like, that's it. You know, we're going to be, we're going to be hammered. I know Matt and me. And, well, I know Matt especially. You're going to really pick up that content. You're really going to go, like, make sure everything is really good. You know, just kind of take that, like, I guess you could say step, I guess you could say, whatever the case is, since yeah. it's a big year for both of us, you know? Yeah. Big championship expectations, roster players, X, Y, Z. So I feel like we're really both just going to take advantage of this opportunity and just kill Hell it yeah. this year. Where can they follow you on Twitter? I'm not going to let you leave without pl plugging your Twitter. Yeah, so no, so you can find me on Twitter at C-M-I-L-H-O-L-E-N-S-B, so C-M-I-L-H-O-L-E-N-S-B. That's where they can find me on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, sure, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram. Hell Chris, yeah. Uh, underscore, Milholland underscore. Personal, but hey, if you guys want to get to know me outside of my job, give me a follow over there. And then um, that's pretty much it, brother. I don't really got too much else. You know, I'm going to start diving into some YouTube content. I know I talked to you about that. Yeah, the there we go. Couple months, so dive into those let's go and so that's gonna be chris mahon regular name you can probably find it on youtube but you guys will see something pop up on twitter to get the ball rolling let's go all right um well there you go that's breaking news i didn't i i'm happy to hear that's gonna happen Boom. um yeah that's that's pretty much all we got for this episode thank you guys so much for listening to the clear out stay tuned i'm going to have another special nets guest hopefully this week uh, if not, I will, we'll, we'll hear from them very soon, but again, thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you guys next time. Peace.